0: Good morning, everybody. I wanted to just quickly remind you, if you love B2B SaaS and you're loving all these CEOs I have on, remember you can get all of their data in a big, beautiful spreadsheet at gitlatka.com. That's G-E-T-L-A-T-K-A dot com. So I hope you're enjoying the month. I love December. I love the holidays. And here is our program for today. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Peter Reinhardt. He is Segment's co-founder and CEO. He studied aerospace engineering at MIT and fell into the world of customer data and analysis when when he and three of his college friends started Segment in 2011 as part of Y Combinator. He and his wife, Erica, who met at MIT, now live together in San Francisco. Peter, are you ready to take us to the top?
1: Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, very good. So for people not familiar with Segment, tell me and tell us what it does and how do you make money? What's your revenue model?
1: Yeah, so Segment is basically a customer data platform. So we help companies collect data from all the different places where they have customer touch points. Uh, That could be their website, their mobile app, their payment system, their help desks. We pull in data from all those different places, and then we fan it out to all the different places where they need it, which could be an analytics tool, a data warehouse, an email marketing tool, et cetera. So you can think of us as sort of a data sewer system. Uh, We're often in the background, but it's a mess if we're not working well. Um, and, uh, we bill based on the number of monthly tracked users. So if your business grows, we grow with you. Uh, And we generally help companies sort of solve this fight between marketing and engineering around implementing, uh, marketing tools and, um, yeah, help them grow.
0: How would you say, you know, people sometimes might describe like Zapier also as like the plumbing of the internet, right? Uh, you guys obviously probably get that name as well. What would you say the biggest differences between the two?
1: Yeah, Zapier is like a point-to-point integration tool. So we actually use them quite a bit. Um, and that's like if you want to take one tool and tie it directly into one other tool, they're fantastic. Uh, we deal only in customer data, and we're much more of a many into segment with all of your customer data from all the different touchpoints, and then a one-out-to-many places where you're actually going to use it. So you can think of it as you're more using all these different, you're more using a segment to construct a central record of your customers, uh, and then federating that record out to a bunch of different places.
0: So are you- the most powerful CRM that nobody knows about.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Although people, people may not realize that we're a CRM. Yeah.
0: That's why, that's why I joke and say that nobody knows about. So let me just paint a story here just to make sure we're dead on and the audience understands if you're using intercom right now on your site, uh, and you ask for people to put, you know, their email and first name in on your site, but you're not sure what last name and phone number is, but you have a connection to Clearbit's API. You could use Segment to plug into Clearbit plus intercom plus your email marketing tool plus HubSpot's free CRM to basically enrich all of your data kind of Kind of all in one spot is this an accurate expression
1: that's exactly right
0: okay very cool uh, you choose to make money i think you said based off it was a team member expansion number of seats i think per the product was that accurate
1: uh no not seats so we build based on the number of customers that our customers have so let's say you run a say you run a, a software as a service company and you have a hundred customers then and that grows to a thousand customers then uh, it doesn't grow linearly, but we'll charge you more as your customer base grows.
0: This is the MTU metric on your pricing page monthly tracked users. That's exactly right. Got it. So, what other, you know, a lot, you know, Brian Halligan talks a lot about this at HubSpot where the SaaS companies like this, the more kind of pricing axes that you can uh, advance customers up that are number driven. So, you use MTU, monthly tracked users, so it looks like sources. And then destinations, which looks kind of like marketing company because they're all unlimited, are maybe three different axes you have. Are there any other um, uses, usage-based or kind of variable-based pricing and expansion point uh, pricing axes that you guys base off?
1: No. Uh, so those are the three sort of main numerical ones. We used to price based on the number of API calls, but we found that it, uh, one was associated more with cost um, on our side to process the data, which is a little bit irrelevant to our customers. Uh, and generally, you know, we want to encourage people to record more data about who their customers are. So the idea here is that you can record as much as you want about each customer and we're really incentivizing you to do so.
0: Yeah. Okay. I want to go back to 2011 and hear more about your story in a second, but first, um, I want to avoid talking about every cohort you track, cause I'm sure you do a lot of cohort analysis on your customer base, but on average, what's the average customer paying segment per month or per year?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so let's see. On average, probably about two thousand something dollars per month. Um, and then on enterprise, it's much more than that.
0: Got it. So so you, you would say you kind of SMB and min market in the 2k range and then you know you probably have you know some deals in the six, seven figures that are enterprise. Exactly. Okay, take us back to 2011. So you're, aerospace, you're like aerospace at MIT. How the hell do you end up in a marketing and sales tech company? Well, tech stat company?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So both of my roommates at the time were computer science. Uh, and we were really committed to starting a company together. And we had a friend from Rhode Island School of Design who wanted to join. But we actually started as a classroom lecture tool. Uh, and this makes sense. We were students at the time. And the idea was that we would give students this button to push to say, I'm confused. And the professor would get this graph over time of how confused their students were. Uh, So we were excited about it. And a bunch of professors were excited about it. And we got some funding coming out of Y Combinator Demo Day. And we put it in the classroom and it was a total disaster. Um, And basically what happened is all the students opened their laptops and they all just went straight to Facebook. So fantastic for for Facebook. uh, Terrible for us. Um, So we shut down the product about a month after that fall semester had started And I called back all our investors and said, hey, what do you want us to do here? This is a bad idea. Uh, And they all said, well, we invested for the team. So, uh, you know, go find another idea and uh, see if you can make it work.
0: How much cash did you have in the bank at that point?
1: Uh, We had about 550K.
0: Okay, and the team size was just what, you three co-founders? Four people, yeah. Four people total, okay. And this was 2012 yet or no, still 2011? Still 2011.
1: And we spent a little more than the next year uh, trying to build out an analytics tool. And the idea was to compete with Google Analytics or Kissmetrics or Mixpanel, exactly. And it turns out this is a bad idea, too. And the reason is that the space is incredibly crowded. Um, this now plays to our advantage. We integrate with all of these tools. Um, there's hundreds of analytics tools out there. It's also very difficult to sell the value of insights. Um, and um, the concept was that we were going to be very segmentation-focused, which is actually where the name Segment came from. Uh, at any rate, we spent about a year trying to get this, trying to get this right. Never really got any customers and our, our cash was dwindling. And so we went and had office hours with, uh, with Paul Graham, the head of Y Combinator and basically gave him the Hold on, hold story. on. I want
0: to get in your brain right at that moment. Like how low was cash? Uh,
1: let's call it like just above a hundred K.
0: Okay. And, and where are you guys all living at this point? So we can understand how you were feeling it expense wise.
1: Yeah. We're all living together in a three bedroom apartment, uh, on Russian Hill in San Francisco, which is doubling as the office.
0: All right. Paul Graham.
1: And so we go to meet with Paul Graham. we bring him up to speed on on sort of where we're at, And he stops and looks us dead in the eye, and he says, "So just to be clear, you've spent half a million dollars and you have nothing to show for it." And uh, that was a pretty painful moment for us. I'd call that our our low point. Uh, and so the next day we sat down and we were like, all right, what should we what should we work on here?" And there was this little open-source library that we had been working on, used as an internal project for a while, and eventually it open-sourced it, and we started using it to try to get traction with our analytics product. It's called Analytics.js. And you know, it had started accumulating some stars on, on GitHub as people found it and started using it. And basically what it would let you do is send data from your website to Google Analytics, Kissmetrics, and Mixpanel in parallel so that you wouldn't have to choose between the three of them. And again, this was a little tool we had built internally. And my co founder Ian was convinced that this was a big business. And uh, my co founders were like, Yeah, you know, there's something interesting here. And I was like, This is the worst idea I've ever heard. Like, this is like 500 lines of code. It's already open source. Like, explain to me how you build a big business around that. It makes no sense. And so we argued about it all day long. And I went home and I was like, How do I kill this idea? This <laughs> is just the worst. Um, and I, I woke up in the morning and I was like, All right, I know what we've got to do. So I, I went back to the office slash apartment uh, and um, was like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a beautiful landing page. It's really going to communicate the value of Analytics.js as an open source library. And we're going to put it up on Hacker News and we're going to see what happens. And they're like, okay, well, that seems reasonable. Uh, and I was like, yes, all right, totally dead. And um, so we did that. It took us about a day. We put it up on Hacker News. Uh, and much to my surprise, it went Straight to the top, got thousands of stars on GitHub, got thousands of email signups. People are reaching out to us on LinkedIn, demanding access to this beta. This one guy reached out uh, and was like, what does a brother have to do to get access to the beta? I'll tolerate bugs like you wouldn't believe. Uh, (laughs) This guy's now now on the faculty at MIT, by the way. I
0: thought you were going to say he's leading your customer success team.
1: (laughs) No. Um, And so anyways, it just sort of exploded in about 36 hours. Uh, Very humbling for me uh, to be wrong sort of the third time in a row. Uh, first I had thought the class and lecture tool was a good idea, then I thought the analytics tool was a good idea, and then I thought this was a bad idea. (laughs) So I was 0 for 3. Um, But it was pretty obvious that customers really wanted this thing. So we spent the next two weeks, uh, or we spent the next five days, building out the first hosted version of this library uh, and launched that. And so we launched the open source library on December 12, 2012. Five days later, on December 17th, we launched the first hosted version uh, where people could in, turn things on and off inside of our inside of our dashboard. And by December thirtieth, so thirteen days after that, we had about seventy companies sending data through segment.
0: Free users still at this point, or he had how do you introduce pricing? Still free. It took us nine months to get to pricing. Okay, nine months to pricing. Okay, very cool. And you guys were just being scrappy. I mean, you only had a hundred grand in the bank. You were just being scrappy for those ninety days, just minimize expenses, keep it low. Yeah, for those nine months. Yeah. I mean, or sorry, nine well, months. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. Actually, we raised uh, we raised two million uh, in June, the following June. So Based about off the traction, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And then fast forward today. So, so how many how many customers using you guys? Yes, yeah, so let's see. There are
1: now three hundred thousand websites using Analytics.js under the covers. Uh, about fifteen thousand of those companies use Segment, and across those fifteen thousand companies, we see about fifty to one hundred thousand end user actions being recorded per second. Um, so such things like purchases, page views, app opens, et cetera. And we now observe about 2 billion unique customer relationships per month.
0: Okay, Top Tribe, many of you ask me all the time, how did I get my website up so fast, so quickly, and why is it doing so well? The answer is simple. I use HostGator.com to keep the thing cranking along. They've got a 45-day money-back guarantee, which is great. I used their free website builder to get this site up because it's ideal for WordPress. It's just what I use. They've got 4,500 templates and a free e commerce plugin as well, and 24 7 support, which we love, right? We love that. I bug the hell out of them. They always get back to me. So I've got you 30% off along with $100 and free AdWords credit. To grab it, just go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, but you got to do it now. Again, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. What's the number? Just companies that are paying to use Segment.
1: Uh, A little over four thousand.
0: Okay, a little over four thousand. That's great. So, so what are the and then also how much have you raised today total? We've now raised about one hundred and ten million. Okay. 110 million bucks. And walk me through, um, walk me through introducing pricing. So first off, I imagine your argument, like the hacker news thing did well. And you're probably thinking, crap, like there are still a where you're trying to figure out, is there a way I can kill this? This is not real. This is fake. It's YC. They all know us. Cause we went through the program. That's why I got so many upvotes. Like, let me still try and kill this. Okay. I'll, I'll put the pricing question on. Hey guys, these are free people. They're not, we're still not making any money from this. Like, I'm sure you tried that line, but like, why, why wait nine months to introduce pricing? And how did you introduce it?
1: So I was actually pretty convinced by the Hacker News uh, release. And, and, and the reason is that we didn't announce that we were a YC company until two months after that. So as far as Hacker News knew, we were just a little open source library. Um, and so I think we we got so much inbound interest that I was pretty convinced at that point. And honestly, the reason why we didn't try to charge anyone for about nine months was because we were just terrified of asking people for money, which is like really bad if you're trying to build a business. Um, so it, it took us about that long to sort of work up the courage. We had a, we had a sales advisor early on, uh, this guy Mitch. He was fantastic. And uh, he basically would just coach me to ask for money. I remember going to this one sales meeting, um, one of our first enterprise customers, and he's like, okay, you have to ask for $120,000 a year. I was like, are you kidding? Like, that's insane. And he's like, if you don't ask for $120,000 a year, then I quit. And I was like, "Well, I guess I'm asking for hundred twenty thousand dollars a year." So I remember in this meeting, I think it was Xamarin. Uh, it and was what? What C- company? Uh, Xamarin, the yeah, the mobile SDK company. Uh, and I asked the CEO across the table, like, "Okay, he's like, how much does it cost?" I was like, "Well, it costs one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year." And I just turned beet red.
0: Um, not a good poker player.
1: <laughs> not a good poker <laughs> player. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think he ended up arguing it down to about eighteen k a year.
0: Okay. But, but you're practicing it was still
1: far more than I expect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's great. Um, and okay. So walk me through what growth looks like today. So first off, I want to kind of paint a better picture here. Team size today. Uh, about 175. Okay. All in San Fran or have you spread out?
1: Almost all in San Francisco. I think about 160 here. Uh, and then about 10 in New York, um, all customer facing and then about five on a sort of nascent engineering team in Vancouver, British Columbia. And then, uh, as of today, we have one person in Dublin and it'll, it'll soon be a handful more.
0: Okay, great. that's just, you, you know, the, the arbitrage on human labor.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. That's customer facing to uh, work with our European customers. Got
0: it, got it. You're not that, you're not that an efficient thinker. That's like, like, <laughs> I, I, but I mean, I, I could see you doing that MIT aerospace. I would do that. All right. So 175 people, mostly San Francisco. Um, I want to understand growth here for a second growth to, as, as it stands today. So how much last month did you spend just on paid marketing? Oh, wow,
1: almost nothing.
0: Uh, Yeah, we really don't do much in the way of paid advertising. So where's growth coming from?
1: Yeah, Frankly, it mostly comes from um, content that we write about the engineering problems that we're solving. So we're a little weird in that we're sort of a marketing tool, but we really actually sell to developers and engineers, VPs of engineering and CTOs. Um, And so the way that we mostly sort of build trust with with those folks is by writing about the interesting engineering problems that we're solving, you know, scaling to tens of thousands of requests per second, for example. Um, So we write a lot about that, our engineering team does. Um, And then uh, we do events for some of our larger enterprise customers in different places.
0: What do you mean? You go sponsor events to land new enterprise customers? Uh, no, we'll we'll host a dinner. So like last week I was in New York and we hosted
1: a dinner for a bunch of folks who were interested in segment.
0: Got it. You just look at your customer list, sort by geolocation. Oh, Hey, he's going to be there, set up a, set up a dinner, pay for and use it to pitch or, or build relationships. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, and I can see from the site. So your Alexa traffic rank is 30,000, 256 sites linking in like it's clearly a, a good, I mean, a highly trafficked site for the the space it's serving. Um, what uh, w- take me back to the early days, the Hacker News article was a good example. But is there anything weird that you've done non traditional to acquire customers?
1: Well, so one weird thing we did, we did try to take advantage of the fact that we were a Y Combinator company in, a, in one particularly interesting way. So we tried to we went to Paul Graham again. And we're like, hey, this thing is working. Uh, would you make it a requirement for all of the winter batch of Y Combinator to use our tool? And in return, we will give you a dashboard. They'll know about this, but we'll give you a dashboard that they can share with you that has all of their growth metrics in it. And he was like, sure. Uh, so we built the dashboard. We got all, those, all the YC companies on board, which I think was important because that was probably 50% of our growth that month. Uh, and then he never looked at those dashboards ever again. Um, so, so we cut that part of the product, but, um, yeah, we did some stuff like that, that, that didn't scale. Um, we also built something called the analytics Academy, which was really popular. Um, we basically just explained the basics of how to use analytics tools and what the difference between all the massive variety of different tools out there was. Uh, and that also worked really well for sort of reaching that audience.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up the strategy with YC, you know, a lot of people I've talked to they, they would never admit this publicly. But these are the BD guys at big companies will say, yeah, look, we sometimes don't really we look at YC companies, we start excited. But once we get a customer list and we realize that 80 percent of their customers are other YC companies, we realize that the stickiness factor might not be only correlated to the value of the product. It's also correlated to YC network effects, which we lose potentially post acquisition. So then I'm not doing the deal. But the flip side to that is the story you just told, which is it's real. Like these are real companies they're building. They maybe are getting reutility. It's an excuse to get started on your platform from an onboarding perspective. What side of that would you fall on
1: early on? We definitely fell on the side of working with a lot of very small startups. And over time we've sort of slowly grown out of that. So today we have plenty of customers in the fortune 500, um, you know, like you mentioned earlier before our call, uh, like IBM and Autodesk and Intuit and 21st Century Fox and HBO and so on and so forth. Um, I actually don't know the number, but probably dozens. Um, And so we we sort of had to march out of startup land into larger and larger companies over time. Um, And, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a slow it's a slow march, and I think you can't you can't stay stuck in in small startup land forever. And at least for us, I think the problem that we're solving, this sort of integrating data problem, is actually a, it's a much bigger problem in the enterprise than it is in in the startup world. And so, uh, you know, it's it's sort of natural for us to move up market over time.
0: Yep. Uh, last few questions here. They're they're heavy economics before we wrap up with the famous five uh, logo churn annually. Do you care about it? And if so, what is it? Uh,
1: boy, I actually don't know
0: maybe like, t- well, then you don't t- care or- about it. Maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's low, uh, low enough that, that, uh, it's not really measurable. Maybe.
0: Okay. So you, maybe, I, think you I don't know, maybe 10%, m- maybe 20%. 10%. Um, what about, what about, uh, net revenue churn? i you guys are probably in the negative range at this point because of expansion revenue, right? Yeah. Yeah. Negative. H- how negative would you say like 5%, 10%? Uh, probably negative 10
1: to negative 30. Right, like. really it, it oscillates a so lot. Comfy.
0: It's a small, small, Still. Yeah, that's really healthy though. Um, okay, good. Uh, in, in terms of, I mean, you mentioned you didn't do a lot of paid marketing in terms of user acquisition. Uh, it usually comes from an engineering team and content. D- do you look at kind of CAC to LTV ratio or not really? Cause you, you try and acquire a zero.
1: Not really. Uh, we have tried to measure it for paid advertising sources in the past and they've just never been effective for us, which I think is actually fairly typical of, of measuring developer.
0: measuring or the, or the channels were not effective. Uh,
1: the channels were not effective and I think that is typical of a developer go to market
0: yep um, uh, makes good sense uh, what about I mean so so when you're raising all this capital is it mainly going towards head the one hundred seventy five headcount I imagine a lot of engineers
1: yeah almost entirely uh, almost entirely headcount um, the engineering team I think is about or engineering product and design I think is about forty percent of the team um, and then sales and and all the supporting functions for sales are probably another forty percent.
0: Last question here before we, again, wrap up. Prioritization. You probably get tons of inbound from these customers saying, I wish you did this, I wish you did that. You can't listen to everybody. How do you prioritize that?
1: Well, that's the hard job of the product team, right? Is that you, Um, by the
0: way? What's your role in the founding team?
1: uh, I I sort of... So I I did run product for a little while. My co-founder, Ilya, also ran product for a little while. Now he runs a specific product team. Uh, There's a product team, and and, uh, Chris Child leads product, so there's a whole sort of fully-baked product team now that's really responsible for executing and figuring out what to prioritize. Um, I'm still involved with it, but um, uh, with the planning part, but really that team is responsible for the priorities and and execution. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? Uh, In particular, we face... A lot of challenges with figuring out which integrations to build because we can send data to about 220 places downstream. Currently, you'd think that yeah, currently you'd think that that's a lot of places, but we actually think that there's about five thousand five hundred different marketing tools out there that people want to get data in.
0: You're so pulling that still, number, have, I imagine, from Scott Brinker's
1: Loom escape right? That's right. We had to do some cross referencing and analysis, but yeah, about 500, five five thousand five hundred. Um, So it's a huge ecosystem and we get a lot of requests, uh, to build integrations, especially from partners. So we have a waiting list of about 600 partners who want to integrate,
0: Mm -hmm. uh, because of what you guys have raised. I mean, there's really one path for you guys, which is, which is, you know, IPO in terms of an exit and liquidation for folks. Um, what do you, you know, at your size, what are you trying to grow ARR by year over year? Uh, two X plus just two X. Yeah. Um, was it general fee? I'm curious what the advice was from Paul. Once you guys started taking off, I mean, was it the three X, three X year, one year two, two X, two X, two X years, two, three, four, uh, you know, through five. Yeah. We had a
1: big burst and then four X and then a little over two X and then a little
0: over two X. Yeah. And then, Uh, I just want to put a bottom on this and you don't have to obviously tell me what it, what it accurately is. But I mean, you mentioned ARPU monthly in your, in your mid segment is around two, two grand and you said 4,000 customers. So just that number right there puts you at about 8,000 or sorry, 8 million bucks in MRR. Are you guys generally above that? Well above that. Yeah. Well above that. Yeah. Very good. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Uh, number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh,
1: I think crucial conversations actually.
0: Ooh, a new one. I haven't heard of this one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I find that my job as a CEO is basically to have intense and I guess sometimes pretty tough conversations back to back all day long. And I think if you're not having those tough conversations, you're probably avoiding them. And Crucial Conversations is actually a really good book about how to sort of like manage your own psychology and how to have those conversations well.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Yeah, Jeff Bezos. He's probably the answer from a lot of folks. Um,
1: I think, so I actually, I've met Jeff a couple times when I was when I was younger. Uh, I grew up in Seattle and I worked at his rocket company, Blue Origin, as a high school intern. And so I actually presented to him once there and and met him a couple of times anyways. I think so aside from like the S- Amazon SEC filings, the Everything Store is a really good book. And I've also heard from a couple of people that the only way to really understand Bezos' mindset is to read about Genghis Khan. Uh, so I've read a little bit about him as well.
0: what books? What books were you reading on Genghis Khan?
1: Uh, I think it's Genghis Khan and the birth of the modern world or something like that. I was going to say the making of the modern world,
0: the making of the modern world. Yeah. I've got, I've actually got that Genghis Khan book around here. It's funny. My room, I don't know what your room looks like, but it's just like literally all these books books that I've read and I have a hard time figuring out how to sort them. And I don't like digital versions because I like to hold them. So I have a real issue here, but anyways, (laughs) okay, good. That was a good one. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool?
1: Well, you set me up perfectly there. Pocket and Kindle. Uh, I read. I read a pretty good amount. For, I, I think the equivalent of probably like fifty to a hundred bucks a year. So, Pocket and Kindle keeps that manageable. Unlike that room.
0: I know it's pretty bad. Number four. How many
1: hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, about seven to eight on weekdays, and about eight to nine on weekends.
0: Okay. And uh, I saw, I saw you had a wedding on, so I assume you're married. Any kiddos? Nope. No kids yet. All right. And how old are you, Peter? I'm twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. All right. Last question. Take us back seven years. What do you wish your twenty-year-old self knew?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought about this one. I think. Um, I think practice writing. Um, so I think in, in high school, I was really turned off from writing by all the sort of literature classes. Uh, but I think writing about things that really matter to you persuasively and explanatorily, um, that turns out to be much more powerful and, and useful than than math. Uh, and I studied math a lot when I was growing up. So I think, I think maybe I had, wish I had spent a little bit more time learning how to write well.
0: There you guys have it from Peter, founded back in 2011. I think Paul Graham probably said it best they went through 500 grand and had nothing to show for it. It was a watershed moment for him and his team. He was skeptical about what his co-founders wanted to build on an open source analytics product. Like what's going on? Let's test it on Hacker News. It does well. Well, fast forward five, six years, they've now raised 180, uh, sorry, $110 million in funding. More importantly, though, they've got real revenue, 4,000 customers paying a minimum of two grand per month, well over 8 million bucks in MRR. Churn is not even, I mean, it's so low, they don't even really need to measure it. CAC is also super low. They have a great SEO and content marketing strategy with their engineers writing with their 175 people based in San Francisco, really the plumbing of the internet. Peter, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.